Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10am service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us. And check out our website at mpbc.org.au. I'd like to add my welcome this morning to you uh, in your homes, wherever you are. Welcome to Mooney Ponds Baptist Church on this Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Day. And today in our service, we're going to have a number of different Bible readings that focus on the resurrection of Christ from John and also from Matthew. So we're going to be richly blessed this morning, as well as through music and song. So our first reading is from Ben Dix. So thanks, Ben. Today's reading comes from John chapter 20, verse 1 to 10, The Empty Tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. John 20, verses 11 to 23. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbini, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven.
Hello, my name is Alex. Today we will be reading from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Thanks, Alex, for that reading. The events that we commemorate on Good Friday and today on Resurrection Sunday are central to the Christian faith. Everyone loves Christmas and we all love to celebrate the birth of Christ and we do that by giving gifts to one another. But it's actually the Easter event on which our whole faith pivots. Easter really highlights what Christians believe, including one that Jesus died on the cross and that he was buried in a tomb. Two, that uh, Jesus rose from death and appeared to his followers as the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And three, that Jesus wasn't just a moral example on how to live. Rather, he was God in flesh, and through him forgiveness and grace are actually extended to all humanity. Forgiveness, then, is really at the heart of Easter. And because of this today, I want us to focus on forgiveness both how we receive forgiveness ourselves, but also how we extend forgiveness to other people. The life story that we've just heard or just, and just heard in the video clip uh, by Hashim Garrett from the series Jesus the Game Changer is a powerful story of brokenness, of anger, and of forgiveness and transformation. Hashim was 15 years old and he was a member of a street gang in New York when he was shot in the back by a, a rival member of another street gang. 
And this, uh, this left him a paraplegic. So recovering in hospital after the shooting, Hashim was depressed and quite desperate and trying to come to terms with this life-changing uh, event that had, that had happened to him. And uh, he was unable to move his legs from his waist down. And uh, one day, though, in hospital, he began to read a Bible that his mum had given him. And uh, one of the passages that became very important to him, as he read, was on forgiveness. It was a story from the Gospel of Matthew that Alex read to us this morning when Peter asked Jesus how many times he should forgive someone who had wronged him. Jewish teaching of Peter's day uh, actually taught that a Jew should forgive someone, a person who had wronged them up to three times. And then after that, forget it. So Peter, when he heard, when he, he knew this, but he'd been with Jesus for so long, when he uh, heard Jesus' teaching on the proper way to deal with people in the community who had sinned or wronged against you, um, he thought, wow, wow, this is quite outstanding what Jesus is talking about here. And, I, and he was overcome and he said, well, I, he said to Jesus, um, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to the times that I should forgive someone. And uh, he said he's going to double it and then add one more time of forgiveness to that. Basically, he's saying to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I think, what I, I think I've got what you're talking about and now I'm going to forgive people who wrong me seven times. How about that? Now, it sounds very generous considering the teaching that the Jews had been giving that you, should only, you only needed to forgive someone three times. It sounds generous until we actually hear Jesus' response. And Jesus says in Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22, he says, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Hashim considered Jesus' words and he, in the video. We heard him say, I was doing the maths. And now that's a lot of forgiving. And so what we find is Jesus didn't actually mean 70 times 7 is the limit of your forgiveness. And for you who are, you guys who are math sort of uh, types, that's 490 times. Jesus wasn't saying, well, now the limit is 490 times. No, what he was really saying to Peter is that actually there's no limit to the forgiveness that we should be offering or extending to others, which is a stunning idea. Because of this, Hashim then made two decisions in response to what he had read in the Bible and what Jesus had said. And the first is he decided to follow Jesus. To put his life and future in Jesus' hands. Second, he listened to Jesus' message to forgive and applied this to his own life. But Hashim had a lot of forgiving to do, he said. He had to forgive his parents for splitting up. He had to forgive his stepdad for being abusive. He had to forgive the kid who shot him in the back and left him a paraplegic. But Hashim came to realise that actually these were not the hardest people that he had to forgive. He also had to forgive himself for the choices that he'd made in life. 
But forgiveness became the starting point of a new life for Hashem and a fresh start as, as he became a follower of Jesus. But Hashem's, actions, or, but Hashem's action of forgiving was not just a sort of one-off event uh, that he could just do and then that was it. Rather, it became this ongoing attitude and action that he applied in his life that he embraced and continued continue, continue to embrace. The words of Martin Luther King Jr. resonated with Hashim, who said that forgiveness is not an occasional act, it is a constant attitude. Both Hashim and Martin Luther King Jr. said that they both had to daily work on forgiving. Hashim says that, that one day he would forgive and then and, and let it go. But in the middle of the night, he'd wake up and all the anger and resentment and loss would rise up inside of him. Forgiveness then is a life choice. It's a value that you continue to live out despite what is happening in your life. It's not based on the situation that you're currently in. It's not based on the type of person you are. It's not based on your cultural background. Forgiveness is a daily attitude that you seek to put into practice when you feel wronged and, and even when those who brought you pain are actually not asking you f- to forgive them. And that's the point. The point is that forgiveness is important and Jesus made this point and we can read this uh, in the Bible ourselves. In, first of all, in Matthew 6.14, and 15, when he was teaching his disciples how to pray in their Sermon on the Mount, Jesus prays, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness, then, is a central aspect of life in the new kingdom of God that Jesus was introducing. Jesus teaches about forgiveness in the Sermon on the Mount when he outlines God's kingdom principles and practices for God's people. And right in the middle of this long sermon, which he teaches on the side of the mountain, he teaches his listeners how to pray. And, that, and the prayer we know as the Lord's Prayer, it's famous. A lot, a lot of us know it by heart. A lot of us recite it. And we should take note here because it's significant that in the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus includes a section on forgiveness. And then straight after the prayer, he makes some extra comments about forgiveness that have huge implications and consequences for us. Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Matthew 16 Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Plain and simple, Jesus is linking our own ability to experience forgiveness with the forgiveness that we extend to others. Second point Jesus makes can be clearly seen in the story of the unmerciful servant that Alex read to us before. Here Jesus in this story makes a strong point about what failure to forgive looks like from God's perspective. Jesus tells a story that we heard where a servant owes a master a huge sum of money that he couldn't possibly pay back. 
It's, it's so big, it's, uh, in today's terms, it probably is equivalent to millions of dollars. But we're not told how he accumulated such a debt. But we do know that this amount that he owed was unpayable by him. He just couldn't do it. And the forgiveness that's extended to him by his master of, the, of his debt is actually unbelievably generous. Then the story takes a turn. This servant then leaves his master after having his massive debt forgiven and on his way home he goes to meet up with a, with a guy who actually owes him a small fraction of the amount that he actually owed his master. And he demands from this guy that he pays it back, back to him immediately. He even roughs him up to ensure that this payment's made. The second debtor, he also pleads for mercy from his fellow servant, using, using the same words that the first servant used. But this time, the plea for mercy wasn't heard. It wasn't received. And instead, the servant is sent to jail until he can actually repay that small debt. When others heard about what the servant had done, they complained to the master. You see, nothing goes unnoticed. They complained to the master and, uh, about the first servant. And he summoned the first servant to him. And he asked him why he hadn't forgiven his fellow servant that small debt when he had, been given, when he had himself been forgiven such a massive debt. This last question of the master to his unforgiving servant, I think is a question that we each need to consider ourselves. The main point of this story that Jesus is telling is that we are no different to the first servant. We have been forgiven an enormous debt by God and because of this, we should extend forgiveness to others. So why do we struggle with forgiveness? Why do we struggle to forgive? There are at least two reasons why we struggle to forgive. And the first is that, uh, that we underestimate the amount that we have been forgiven. The whole point of the parable of the unforgiving servant is that the first servant seems unable to comprehend the size of his own debt and the extent of forgiveness that his master had extended to him. He's, he's, it's as if he's like become sort of like this day trader who's sort of dealing in millions and millions of dollars and loses some sort of sensitivity to what things are really worth. And it's easy to lose touch with how much God has forgiven us. On Friday I mentioned that Rembrandt was making this point by painting himself into that scene uh, into the scene of his paintings, the, the raising of the cross and also the, this, the painting of the return of the prodigal son. And Rembrandt realised that his own sin was actually resulted in the nailing of Jesus to the cross. But it seemed that it took Rembrandt his entire life to actually comprehend the forgiveness that God was actually offering him which seems most evident, really, in the painting of the, of the return of the prodigal son. 
Paul sums up our brokenness in the book of Ephesians when he says that you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead in sin, de- dead in sin causes a spiritual death in our lives towards God. We become numb. And this death is the inability to respond to God. And it's also the inability to save ourselves from our position. We become paralysed. And as I mentioned on Friday, we're lost. We're like the coin, like the sheep, like the son who are actually unable to find their way back to where they belong, which is in relationship with God. In this day and age, people find it hard to accept their lostness and their brokenness, even when it's most obvious. People speak as if they are fairly reasonable people, good people who are just going through a bad patch. And so Jesus can help them a little bit. But if we think like this, then we're like the first servant. We show that we don't really understand our true state and our true need for forgiveness. And this means that we can underappreciate the forgiveness that we do receive. And this has implications in our lives in terms of how we go on and extend forgiveness to others and how we extend even forgiveness to ourselves for the things that we've messed up in our own life. Secondly, we suffer when we don't forgive. One of the most insightful um, books on forgiveness that I've read is the a book called The Sunflower. It's, uh, it's actually um, it's, uh, called The Sunflower on the Possibilities and Limits of Forgiveness and it's written by a, a man by the name of Simon Wiesenthal. And it's, The Sunflower is a rec- recollection by Wiesenthal of his own struggles as a Jew with forgiveness while he's a prisoner in a Nazi prison camp or death camp during World War II. In his book, Wiesenthal recounts how while a prisoner of war in this concentration camp, he was called one day from his labour detail to the bedside of a dying SS soldier. The the soldier had participated in the mass murder of Jews in other parts of Ukraine and his conscience was torturing him during the the, the last moments of his life. And with the help of the nurse, he sought out a Jew to whom he could confess to and ask forgiveness before he died. The SS soldier said to Wiesenthal, he said, In the long nights while I've been waiting for death, time and time again I've longed to talk about it to a Jew and beg forgiveness from him. Only I didn't know whether there were any Jews left. I only know that what I'm asking is, also, is almost too much for you. But without your answer, I cannot die in peace. But Wiesenthal said nothing to the, to the SS soldier and then left. And later he questioned his behaviour and he asks himself, should I have forgiven him? Was my silence beside the dying Nazi Right or wrong? And this is a profound moral question. Wiesenthal's book, The Sunflower, 
then goes on to become a discussion about whether he should have forgiven the SS soldier, the SS officer, and the book outlines responses from 53 different people whom he wrote to and asked that question. And uh, if, you've, if you're looking for a book through the, on this subject, then I can encourage you to, to, uh, to buy it and have a read of it. All of our lives are different. Each of us have had to deal with the actions of others that they've done against us and also the actions that we've done ourselves. And so today, some of you who are watching uh, from home this morning, some of you have deep wounds, are deeply wounded, and you feel that forgiving someone else is quite impossible. Today, forgiving yourself for something that you've done might seem like a good idea, but somehow out of reach. You've possibly been hurt. You possibly have been abused. You've possibly been wounded by someone. The scars of these wounds are deep. And so to suggest that you forgive might sound like an impossible request. It might even sound an out, like an outrage. But this is what Hashim Garrett, who we listened to earlier, and what Martin Luther King Jr. both were saying about their own experience of being wounded by others and themselves and needing to forgive others or needing to forgive. It was a necessary part. Forgiveness was a necessary part of their transformation. And so forgiveness became uh, for them a one day at a time experience. In Jesus, the Game Changer series, the, uh, the New Testament scholar Paula Gooder says that, gra the gra that grasping the meaning of the Greek word for forgiveness can really help us to do this. And she says that the word forgiveness in Greek basically means let go. And it's like the action you do when you let a balloon go. You let go and off it goes. And so the, the same applies to people who are also seeking forgiveness. They also need to let go as well. But our need uh, to forgive others becomes much more obvious as we read the words of Jesus. A natural response uh, to the story of the unforgiving servant is, if you were forgiven such a debt, why don't you just extend the same forgiveness to the person who owes you? as well. When we hear Jesus tell this story, we can't help but respond in the same way because the reaction of the unforgiving servant feels so unjust and he sounds so ungrateful. And so this is the main point that Jesus is making. If we are forgiven and we do understand the size of our debt that we are being forgiven, then uh, this gives us the motivation then to, to forgive others. But not only the motivation, recognition of our forgiveness motivates us and gives us the capacity to extend forgiveness to others. And this, my friends, is the crux of Jesus' message. We have the opportunity to experience forgiveness from God, which then gives us the capacity to extend forgiveness to others and to ourselves. 
It's a life-changing thing. It's a transforming thing. And it starts with each of us. And it spreads out to other people. One thing that the theory of epidemiology teaches us right now from the coronavirus pandemic is that one person's actions can make a great deal of difference to other people. A single person's wrong action can have implications for hundreds, if not thousands of people down the track. Jesus knew this theory as well, but he knew it in a very positive way. We only at the moment can think of it negatively, but actually this theory also has a positive uh, outcome as well. You see, Jesus impacts the world one person at a time. And so these people who are impacted, when their lives are changed, they go on and impact the people who are around them. And then in turn, those people impact the people who are around them by living out the reality of Jesus' transforming presence in our lives. Today, this Easter Sunday, God wants to transform your life through the power of forgiveness and the gift of grace and he offer, that he offers to, us, offers to us through Jesus. So the cross of Jesus Christ through which this forgiveness comes is God's undeserved favour to us. And so today, right now, in your own living room, is a time when this change can begin. You might have been coming to this church for, for many years. You might be listening or watching for the first time today in your living room. And up until this time, you might have considered Jesus to be an attractive figure, someone whom you admire, a good man. It's true, Jesus is all of those things. But today, I want you to know that Jesus is much more than that. And he's offering you much more than, it, than being an example of how to live. Jesus can also be a life changer, a transformer, by, by giving you forgiveness in your own life, which will transform you and transform how you engage with other people, including those people who have wronged you in this life. You might think, well, what do I need to do to respond to Jesus today? Responding to Jesus' offer of forgiveness is not just about saying a few words and hoping for some release. Jesus is actually wanting an ongoing relationship with you. And here are several points, several uh, points to help you understand how the Bible describes what a relationship with Christ looks like and which can lead to transformation. God, firstly, created us to live in relationship with him. God has given us the ability to listen to him or to ignore him. God, thirdly, has reached out to humanity through Jesus so that God could make this relationship right again. Fourth, Jesus' death has taken the penalty for the wrong that we have done. Fifthly, Jesus' resurrection, which we celebrate today, is actually a demonstration that the power of sin and death have been beaten and that the new life is possible in Christ. The cross was actually the event which broke that power.
Sixth, every person needs to make a choice to accept the offer of resurrection and transformation that Christ offers for themselves. Seventh, following Jesus is about choosing to live a life that honours Christ and that we live our best life when we follow Jesus. Today, this Easter Sunday, you have the opportunity for a fresh start with Jesus. The chance to experience forgiveness, the chance to have the capacity to extend forgiveness to others and to yourself. If God is speaking to you this morning, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me as a sign of your choice this morning. Prayer is not a magic formula, but these, these words will, will reflect the attitude that is in your heart. Are you looking for a fresh start? Would you like to receive forgiveness offered to us by Jesus? Are you ready to put your life into Jesus' hands? If you then, if you do, then this is your time. Let's pray together. If you want to pray these words, please pray them uh, in your heart silently with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you for the death of Jesus on my behalf. I come to you today and say I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for ignoring you in my life. I ask for your forgiveness. Today I put my life into your hands. I ask that you will fill me with your spirit and I pray for the courage to live what I say I believe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.